You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Well, I'm glad to be back. I must say I was in Texas for some uh, meetings and interviewing some church planning couples and doing some training. It was nice for 69 degrees, but I kind of got came home spring fever, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, wham, wow, just amazing. So anyway, spring, I believe, is coming. It's coming. I want to share with you this morning, uh, making sense of a messed up world. You know, I don't, sometimes, I, I don't know how you roll in life and how you go through things, but, you know, most often as I kind of go through life, I just kind of react to what's going on. And like everybody else, I, you know, I kind of vent or get frustrated about whatever. And, and then sometimes I kind of step back. And I want to, this morning, I kind of want us to step back and kind of look at the big picture. But, you know, think back with me what the last couple of years have been like, and maybe in our country or maybe in your own life personally. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we had that crazy election cycle going through and, you know, and all of this, this stuff and just, I mean, just venom flowing. I don't care if people are conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican, wherever in the middle, like it was just stuff flying. It was like a cafeteria food fight. I mean, it was a free-for-all, just what's going on, craziness in our country in that time period. And 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 then all of the the angst over racism and just all of the, the you know, for and against and all the accusations and all all of that all across and just all kinds of things going on, our capital being stormed and COVID running through all of that and all of the politicization of four masks against masks and all of the, the mess in that world and in the middle of that here in New York, our own governor and all of the, you know, the, the abuse and all of the, the stuff and behind the scenes and people being let go of those kinds of things as well and uh, and and on top of, of that, we now, as COVID, finally we get clear of that. And what do we see in the news every day is bombings and things happening in the Ukraine and hospitals and um, orphanages and just the atrocities of war and just unbelievable stuff. And so that's just kind of on the, the scale that we see out there. And think back to your own life, the craziness of whatever's been in the middle of it. You've had challenges at work and with co-workers and personally in your own life and family and difficult things. And I want us to kind of like make sense of just the crazy world, that messed up world in, in which we live. And I, as Christians, sometimes we, we live in that world, we operate in that world, and we get frustrated with that world, and we're challenged like everybody else. But what God gives us in the Bible is the ability to understand why the world is messed up and to kind of help us to begin to navigate that a little bit. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And John 6 through 8, if you've been reading at home in your, your own time, you know, our life groups are built around that because we feel like Sunday morning is a good time for us to kind of open it and unpack it and begin to apply it to our life. And life groups are important to us, gang, for two reasons. Fellowship together. We need each other. Christ, the Christian faith is a team sport. It's not a solo event. God made us with weaknesses because He wants each of us together. He gave us our strengths, but He gave us our weaknesses as well because He wants us to encourage and be in this together. And so life groups are for fellowship, but it's also where we begin to go deeper and apply. And folks, none of us have got life figured out. And I don't care how much you know about God and live the Christian life. You're in a new phase of life today that you were not in yesterday. And tomorrow you're going to be in another new phase and you're in another 
another new phase. You never graduate from that. And so that's what those life groups are for, for us to kind of journey together in that faith. And so anyway, we, we walk through the Bible together as a church, and, and we intentionally open God's Word, and, and most often just kind of go verse by verse, because it's, it's easy to cherry-pick kind of the sweet stories, the feel-good things or the little things. And to be honest with you, Matt, John 6 through 8, I was telling somebody recently, you know, I've, I preached through John. It was one of the first books I preached through years ago. And I start partway through because I was like 23 years old, and I just didn't have enough life experience. I'm like, this is beyond me. I'm just I'm not there. And I'm blown away. I've read 6 through 8 dozens and dozens of times, but until you kind of sit down and unpack it, I'm just I'm blown away. But in the middle of all this, it's just Jesus dealing with problem people, <laughs> just like annoying naysayers, people that are just out to get them. And, you know, and so chapter eight is really all about that again. So, but I think, I think we're now at the point where God's revealing to us kind of the bigger picture of why this whole thing is messed up. So hopefully that makes sense or will make sense as we walk through it. So read with me in, in, verse, in verse 37 here, and we're going to pick up and finish off chapter 8 today. So verse 37, uh, Jesus says this. He says, I know he's talking to some, the spiritual leaders, and they're having this ongoing debate and dialogue, and Dan preached on the, the section before last week, and we're picking up in the middle of it. But he says this. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We're, we're not illegitimate. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You ever notice when people can't, when you share good logic and reason and they can't defeat it, they re resort to name-calling and character assassination? That's kind of what's going on here. They kind of lost this whole discussion. <laughs> they call Jesus, you know, a, a racist Samaritan, and, and you're demon-possessed. You've got a demon. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I want to share with you this morning about the kind of the dual realities of the world in which we live. And 
it's something that as followers of Jesus that we should keep in mind because these are in operation every single day of the week, 24-7, when you go to bed at night, when you wake up in the morning, whether it's Christmas time, whether it's Fourth of July, whether it's a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, morning, night, doesn't matter. These are the two realities of the world. As Jesus is talking with these spiritual leaders, they couldn't stand him, they wanted to kill him, and they were arguing with him and all of it. And he says, look, I know you're of your, of your father Abraham. I know you're Jewish. But listen, because you're Jewish, I came from God the Father, and I'm telling you the truth, you ought to listen to me. But the reason you're not listening to me is because you're actually following a different father. You may be religious, and you may believe in God, and you may be super spiritual, and you may be doing all of this religious stuff in the name of God, but actually, you're of your father, the devil. And you do the stuff, you desire to do the stuff that he wants done, that he desires, you're really not serving God. It's a facade. It's, it's not reality. You're actually serving the enemy of God, the devil, and you don't even know it. And because of it, you're not at all interested in what I have to say. In fact, beyond that, you're predisposed when I tell you the truth to not believe it because you're only going to listen to lies, and lies are all that you believe. You, it's impossible for you to believe the truth because you're not of God you're of the enemy of God. Two dual realities in life. Jesus is kind of getting down, if you will, the nitty-gritty, and he's, he's really acting gracefully, with graciously trying to help those religious leaders. It's almost like they're spiritually, they're coded and on the table, and he's trying to, you know, jolt some life into them, say, you need to stop in your life and ask yourself a question. Are you really open to truth? Do you really know who you're serving or not? And he's trying to, he's not poking at them just to, be mean to him or be obnoxious. He's trying to, if at all, shock them into reality and bring them forward. And he's graciously helping us to realize how we address and work through this in, in life. And he's, he's calling us to account to really consider where we are and, where, and where we, what we believe and where we are in this, this whole thing as well. And, and Jesus is telling us, he's very clear, there's just two leaders in this world. There's God and there's the enemy of God. There's God and there's Satan, the devil. It's not, it's not religious are with God and then atheists are with Satan. It's not good people are with God and only really wicked, bad, evil people are with Satan. He, actually, Jesus is talking to very good people on the outside who looked moral, who seemed to act moral and all of that, very religious, dedicated people, but actually they were not serving God they were serving the devil. So first thing I want us to recognize is the enemy's influence in the world around us. The, the, he is called the, the accuser or the slanderer. The word devil means literally to throw against. He's called the, and it means, the, the word devil means slanderer. It's kind of the idea of throwing a, a slanderous word against someone. You see, the enemy is called the slanderer because that's what he did from the very beginning when he went to Adam and Eve. Has God really said that you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Oh, God is actually, he says he's a good God. He, he acts like he's a good guy, and, but in reality, he's an evil guy. He's, a, he's an insecure God. He wants it all to himself. He's prideful, egotistical. He... he he doesn't want you to do that because he knows if you eat of that, you're going to be like him. 
And he doesn't want that. He wants to have it all to himself. You see, the enemy is slandering the name of God. And he's called that from the very beginning. He is the slanderer. By the way, anytime you see in the culture around you, anytime you're talking with somebody and when people are questioning the character of God, God doesn't love me, God can't be good, God is evil, God's responsible for all the evil in the world, you need to realize that's the enemy behind all of that, operating in that world. See, here's the, here's the deal. God created this world and He made it completely good. And the enemy disobeyed God, and he, in fact, he tried to rob God of His glory and kind of knock God off the pedestal, if that were even possible. It's not. How do you knock someone who's all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere? Like You just can't... It's undefeatable. It's impossible. But he tried to do that, and, he, and as a result, brought sin to the world. And then he took God's crowning creation, which were people, not the animal kingdom, not the plants, not the water and the mountains and the trees. It was people... And so he inserted into the middle of that, questioned and accused and slandered the name of God and led Adam and Eve down that road of disobeying God. And as a result, what, God, what the enemy did was he overwrote the operating system for this world. You know, your computer has an operating system. I, some of you guys, off the chart, I'm not going to go too far down that road with that illustration because I will say stuff that's not right. You're like, Sean, that sounded good, but you know nothing about computers. I know I know nothing. But I do know that on your computer is an operating system that's kind of invisible to you and to me, but it's what makes the computer go. It's what it knows to do when you turn it on. It knows what to do when you tell it, you know, that you want to go somewhere and you want to go on the Internet. It works behind the scenes kind of invisibly. God's operating system originally in this world was for this, this world was good. And this world operated in complete harmony, complete unity, complete life, complete together. Adam and Eve initially were just paradise together. The animal kingdom was in harmony. Nature was at peace, if you will. The world was at peace with God. Everything was perfect. That was God's operating system. And the enemy came and corrupted that. And he put in place a different operating system that's operating behind the scenes on everything that touches literally everything to this day. You see, that's why Jesus is calling them out. He says, you guys are operating under a different operating system. You, you're not following my Father. You're actually under the influence. You're operating under the influence, drunk if you will, spiritually, under the, the influence, the control of the enemy. The reason you're struggling and the reason is because is the enemy is in control of you. You see, everyone in this world, if they're not under the direct control and leadership of God, in other words, if they're not saved and have a relationship with Him, they're under the control and influence of the enemy. Whether people are religious, whether they're not, whether they're crazy outlandish people, or whether they're relatively normal sane people. We are all born into this world under that false, that, 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 that new operating system that the enemy put into this, into this world that's against God, that's against the things of God. We think we live with autonomy. We think we live with our own, you know, under our, living for ourselves, under our own control and our own power. And Jesus tells us as we read through this, like, no, you're telling lies because you're of your father who is a liar. You're wanting to kill me because he's a murderer from the very beginning. You're, you're not doing the works of God. You're doing the works. You desire to just simply do the things that your father does. 
So here's the way it works. The enemy is actually in control of our lives. This is not a weird, wacko conspiracy thing. It's an invisible influence affecting us that he just had to simply insert into Adam and Eve a doubt about God, a slander against God, and, it, and they took the bait, hook, line, and sinker, and began living their life against God completely. And the way it's so dangerous for you and me is we think that we are you know, living under our own power, that we are you know, living for ourselves and what we can get out of life. Many people are like, well, I don't want to follow God because then i got to be submit to Him. I don't want to go to church because i got rules. And I don't want that. I, I want to be a free agent. I want to do what I want. I'm sorry, nobody in this world is a free agent. You may, people may think they're a free agent. You may think that you're living your own way and got it. I'm sorry, you're not. You're absolutely playing into the enemy's hand. Completely playing into his hand. See here, this is the second thing I want you to know. Here's what his strategy is. Jesus says he's a liar. And he's a murderer. His, he has one playbook. It's a, a very one play within his playbook. It's primarily lying. And to put lies into the world and lies into your and my life, and we've believed these lies because these lies that are floating out there, when we then act on them, we accept them, base our life on them, where those lies lead us always is to dishonor God and to disobey God. That's called sin. And the reason the enemy wants us to do that is because when we sin, we die. That's where death came from. The Bible says the enemy of God wants to, uh, to kill Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants nothing but to bring death into this world. Why? Here's his end game. That's the result that he ha wants to happen with our lives is that we would all die. But his end game, his purpose in that is because he wants, if at all possible, to dishonor and bring shame to God. And he wants to bring glory and honor to himself. That's his play. That's that's the simple play from beginning to end, what he did with Adam and Eve. You see, he's a fallen entity. He truly can't dishonor God. It's an impossibility. It's, you, you, he can't even begin to do that. But if he, while he has his power and his influence in this world, can continue to lead people down the path away from God, then it destroys and brings death and corruption and messes up God's glorious creation. And ultimately, his hope is that he brings glory to himself. You see, when Jesus, when the, those leaders came at Jesus and, and they said, now we know you're not in your right mind. You're a Samaritan that has no clue. In fact, you're, you're controlled right now, speaking crazy. You're talking crazy because there's a demon controlling your thinking and your thoughts inside of you. Jesus didn't deal with the Samaritan thing, but notice he did deal with the demon thing indirectly. If you look at what he says, he says, look, I don't, I don't have a demon. That's the direct part. But now he gives evidence why he doesn't have a demon. He says, but I honor God, and you dishonor me. You see, the enemy of God never honors God. Jesus is like, the reason you should know that I don't have a demon is because I'm trying to honor God. I'm trying to obey the Father. There's no way I could possibly under, be under the influence. See, the enemy always wants the glory, always wants the focus. See, when, when you and I disobey God, when we are born into this world disobeying God, even if we're living under pride and 
self-delusion, trying to bring glory and make a name for ourselves and live life our own way, we're actually playing into the enemy's hand because truth be known is he's the one that gets the glory in that. He's the one that inserted this whole mess. He's the one that's got the operating system running behind the scenes. And we're just simply pawns playing into that world, defying the God who made us, living in a way that God did not design, and consequently experiencing the death, the corruption and death that the enemy wants. And he sits back and gets to laugh, as it were, and enjoy all of the mess that he's made. His play is so simple, so subtle, and so profound. And it touches every piece in this world. Have you ever wondered why people will sit back, and you've seen some of the stories in days gone by, you know, all of a sudden out of the blue, it'll be, you'll read about a mom who drowned her three kids in the bathtub, convinced that God told her to do it. God didn't tell her to do that. Well, Sean, that's clearly mental illness. Well, maybe, but behind all of that, the enemy's the one that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the one that communicates those lies. You see, the enemy puts those lies in the culture around us. The reason why we hear about on a political national scale the destruction you know, of, a, of a, a country invading another country, thinking that for political gain or history or whatever the real motivation is behind the leaders in Russia doing what they're doing, but at the end of the day, thousands of people are dying and innocent people along the way. None of it, whatever the reason is, none of it justifies all of that. It's because of the enemy. The lies that are in somebody's believing that are not the words of God, that are not the truth of God, and we play into that hand, into that world. You see, the enemy puts those lies. That's what Jesus is saying in, in verse 38. He says, I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. In verse 38, you're listening to your father. We're under that influence as we're born in this world, hearing from him. And he plant, has planted lies all over the place. He's done it three ways in each of our life. The culture tells us lies constantly. We, we hear them, barraged by them constantly. Our kids are being exposed to them all the time around us from, their, from friends, from families, and all of that. No, I'm not saying you should isolate your kid and put them in a closet and don't let them out. You know, that's not the way. What I'm saying is, is the world is full of this, and we have to be wise as parents as we engage, but we have to be wise for ourselves. And the culture is, is adopted this operating system. You and I hear these lies from important people in our life. People have told me in the past how a teacher or a parent has just kind of in those moments of their life spoken into their life. Maybe it was out of harshness or frustration. Oh, you'll never get it. Or you'll never do this. Or you're always that. And how often as young kids and how impressionable we take those words and, and we accept that lie inside of us and it drives us and it's a part of our life for the rest of our life. The enemy loves that. And we've all heard some of those in our, from people in our life as well. And then the enemy, as we've seen with Adam and Eve and what even the Bible's talking about here, the enemy even sometimes just whispers them directly into our, our mind and into our hearts. And we, we believe this stuff. We believe it. 
and he plants those things, those lies and us building our life on that is why relationships fail. It's why countries invade other countries. It's why people who love each other all of a sudden can wake up one day and mad at each other and bitter and angry and not able to forgive and to hold all of those offenses. The enemy loves that, wants us to, to experience those things because we believe those lies. It's, it's why we are selfish at times in our life, believing that somehow we deserve and we ought to get this and why we can be greedy and covetous and make sure we get our way and get our stuff and look out for number one. And all of that are lies that, that we've accepted and adopted into our, our life. And because of it, those lies cause us to miss Jesus. They cause us to miss the, the biggest thing going. So the operating system that this world generally operates under is the enemy. It, it hits every country, hits every system. Sometimes Christians, you guys, if you've been at River, know we're not a political church. We're not a liberal church. Uh, politically, we're not a conservative church politically. We're about Jesus. And we're, we're what Jesus says has speaks into our life and has influence over politics. We encourage you to you know, respond and vote and live that way. But there is no political system that's not touched by this operating system of the enemies. There's, there's nothing in the world that's, that's, that's good. That's, it's either Jesus or it's bad. It's just the way the world functions. It's very clear as, as, as Jesus is kind of pulling the curtain back and helping them to deal with reality. It's like, look, you're, you're following. You're not only marching to the beat of a different drummer. You're, you're following your leader who is not at all in step with what God is doing. That's why some of the lies that are going on today in people's minds should really break our heart as Christians. This should, this should really affect how we see and view people's sin and how we view stuff that, that can drive us crazy. Sometimes as Christians, we forget that people are victims and I'm not talking about victims of abuse or whatever, certainly that. But even people that, that maybe stand for things that are completely against God, that upset us and make us angry or frustrated, we need to recognize that those same people have believed lies. And they're sincere, they're fooled, they're, they've been tricked into that. The key to a good lie is to camouflage it and make it look like truth. Just like every predator on the planet knows to hide and camouflage so the prey can't see it coming, we are all the prey in this operating system, and the enemy has, has camouflaged the lies, so we suck them in, thinking that they're good for us. And we've built our life on those things. And what God has done is to call that out and is, is actively at work putting a restoring the operating system of this messed up world in which we live. He's actively addressing it. That's why Jesus came. He said, look, this world not only is going to hell in a handbasket, it is in hell in a handbasket. It's condemned already. And I've come to speak the truth of the words of God to deliver you to offer hope and salvation and a genuine change in life. 
And it's why he was so firm with them. It was like, look, you're rejecting this. This is actually hope. The enemy is so good at lying that people that claim to be believing what's right and convinced that they're following truth and convinced that theirs is the good way are completely fooled and missing everything. Jesus has came to restore that operating system within our own heart and souls, and ultimately one day to restore the whole thing. That's why when you read the end of the book, the end of the story, that He's coming and He will come back again to make a new heaven and a new earth. Because this one's a mess. This operating system has destroyed and corrupted everything. It is a, it's the worst virus, malware, whatever the computer analogy is, and there's no saving it within that system. It's better to wad it up, throw it away, wipe it down completely, and start brand new and fresh. And Jesus does that two ways. He does it inside of us personally now, each individual. That's what happens when we surrender our life to Jesus. It's us finally realizing I've been living in this other operating system. I've been buying into sin. I've disobeyed you, God. I've dishonored God, you. And I'm following somebody else that I didn't fully realize. I thought I was doing good. I was being religious, being all of this. See, the enemy hides those lies. He loves to use religion to camouflage the gospel and the truth of God's Word to fool us. And religion is one of those things. In fact, he's glad to make the religious so elaborate that we think we're doing all this stuff and we're being really good. And all that does is build more and more camouflage, more and more of a smokescreen to hide the truth that only Jesus can save us from our sin. Not us, only him. And so Jesus, when we come to that place where we surrender our life to Jesus, then that new operating system happens in our soul. And we go from being a servant of the, the, of the enemy of God to being a servant of the one true most high God. And then we go from not truly loving Jesus, even if we're religious, to actually where we love Him. That's what Jesus says. Like, yeah, if you were really of God, you would love me. But you don't love me. You want to kill me. If you were really of God, you'd want to hear my words. You'd actually be interested in reading the Bible, not just for what you could prove or what you know that you could get out of the deal, but just because it's the words of my Father. You would be a changed person in your life. That's that new system that God puts inside of us when we surrender our life to Him. And then what's happening over time is individuals experience that and God little points of light, if you will, as He changes each person, each person, each person, each person. And then one day, there will be the last person will be born. The last person in this world in God's grand plan will have opportunities to hear the gospel. And the last person that will trust Jesus will do that, surrender their life to Jesus, and that will be it. And God will cut it off, and He will wipe the system clean, and He will make that new heaven and that new earth with His perfect, perfect, operating system, and we call that heaven. That's the very simple picture of what God is doing in our life. See, Jesus came to reveal exactly who God was. 
We don't have time to read all of, of, of John 8, but if you look toward the end of it, the dialogue goes back and forth. They're incensed. And they, Jesus finally says, He says in verse 60, 56, He's like, look, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. They were claiming to be good, faithful Jews. And he's like, look, Abraham wanted to see my day, and he was excited and glad. And so the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. What, what are you out of your mind? Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They were, they were trying to kill him. Jesus said, I'm just bringing the way of salvation. I'm bringing the new operating system that God is wanting to bring, and you're not listening to me. Abraham, who you claim to follow, listened, and he was excited about this. You should be excited. You're crazy. How, how does Abraham know about you? You're not even 50 years old. Oh, before Abraham ever existed, before he was, what is they say, it's a twinkle in his daddy's eye, <laughs> I, I am. Not I was, I am. Go back before Abraham, I am, and I am, perpetually the I am. Those of you that know the Bible and know the history, when God was calling the Jews out of Egypt and had that burning bush, and Moses saw it from afar and went to that burning bush, and, and God said, Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Which, by the way, we're so sinful, we don't even know when we're in the presence of God. That's how messed up we are. You get into the presence of the sun too much, you know it. How many billions of miles we are away, and you're like, I've had too much sun today. You start getting into the presence of the, the sun really close, you'd know it. You're going to fry, you know, and be gone. Just, pfft. We're so sinful and messed up, we can be in the purity, holy presence of God and not even know it. He has to tell us that. Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground, son. And Moses tell, or God tells Moses, I'm going to lead, send you to bring my people out of Egypt and all of that. And Moses is like the little second grader. Uh, question, what's your name? Because everybody's going to ask me who you are. Like, what, what, we don't even know who, what your name is. And God speaks out of the bush. He says, I am that I am. Tell them the I am has sent you. You see, that's the personal name of God, that God is eternal. He's never a was and never a will be. He's never a has been. He's always an, an is. That He is self-existent. Go to the beginning of time and He's an I am. Go to any point of anyone's life, He is the I am. Go to the future in anyone's life if we could, He is the I am. He is all powerful and all-encompassing as the I am. And God was telling Moses, I am the I am. That is who I am at my core. I'm the holy God of this world. And what Jesus was claiming was to be that person. Very clearly, that's what He's saying. It is the name of God. And the Jews got it. And that's why they wanted to kill Him. By the way, when people say that Jesus never claimed to be God, they're just absolutely clueless. God, Jesus claimed to be the I Am. He claimed to be in the burning bush that day with Moses. He, in essence, was saying, I was there that day. 
By the way, I was there the day that God made the world. I was there that day when we talked, when I talked with Adam and Eve and they messed up. I was there that day with David. I was there. I am the I am and I'm going to be there. And Jesus came to reveal God to us so that we might know Him. And the only way to know Him is to, to be you and me to be confronted with our sin, to overcome that strategy of the enemy. And the way Jesus overcomes it is He died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. Because the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn. We've earned that spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It is that life that we receive because Jesus not only died for our sins to pay the penalty, but He rose again, gaining victory over our sin. And He gives that to us freely. And God does what God as amazingly does as we looked in John chapter 6 and Jesus said, yeah, nobody can come to me unless God my Father draws him. You're so messed up in your sin. You're so under that old operating system. You can't figure it out. And God has to invisibly pull you. In fact, God has to teach you. You can't figure these things out. You can't self-educate. You can't DIY this yourself. You can't go and watch YouTube videos and figure this out. God, only God my Father can explain this in a way that breaks through the lies, that shows all of the messes in your life, and reveals to you the salvation. And when you and I see that, because God has drawn us, we surrender our life to Jesus. And He forgives us of our sin. And we experience His new operating system inside of us, that change. And we live for Him, loving what He wants. Now, there's still parts of that old code in there. I don't know anything about computer software, and I don't know that you can have two operating systems functioning at the same time and pieces and all of that. You guys can straighten that out. But there's still some of that old operating system in each of us. That's why we still face temptation and sin. But God, for the rest of our life, is overriding that and pulling that junk out of us. That's why you and I are still vulnerable to lies in our life. We're still deeply vulnerable. In fact, underneath all of the sin that you and I get tempted with and faced with, there are lies that we believe and that we fall prey to. That's the enemy's blame. He gives those lies. A friend of mine, uh, his son, uh, just my friend passed away not too long ago, maybe a year, year or two ago, it's crazy with COVID, right? I've lost track of time, probably much like you. We now have COVID years, you know. We figure out what our life is like based on where, what stage of life COVID's in. Anyway, uh, his son, young man, was uh, battling with same-sex attraction and uh, went really headlong into that world, ended up moving to Nashville, then moving to L.A., and kind of lived that double life. So by day, he was you know, living as somebody who was straight, but by night he would change persona and, and you know, would spend hours putting on makeup and the clothes and, and all of that. And this was a young man who was brought up in hearing the truth of God's Word, knew the truth, but still just struggling with those things. He's just operating under the old operating system. And then one day he describes in his story, he's putting on his makeup in the mirror and and he just had this overwhelming sense of God saying, this is not who you are. This is not who I made you to be. Kind of, whoa. And he kind of stepped back and, huh. 
It continued on, and then the thought began getting into his mind, well, what if those churches really are true? That this really, this whole same-sex, homosexual thing is really not of God. What if they really are telling the truth? That it's not something that God's put inside of me. And it began him on a journey of questioning and discovering. And now when you talk to him, and he moved back home and all of that, and he's come to realize that, oh my goodness, I believe lies. That in his head, that he had gone down a pathway that was not something that God had put in there, but it was something just old operating system and lies and all of that. You see, our hearts should break for individuals in that world. Jesus' gospel and his truth is powerful for that. It's that old operating system. If you've seen any of the stories running through that why a, a swimmer today can say he's a, a woman and should swim on the women's team. And despite all the reality that if you were to do a DNA test, all the DNA tests would say, no, you're male. In your body, even if you've been taking estrogen or you've been you know, blocking testosterone, and I don't know much about that world, your body still is a male. You may in your mind think that you identify more as a female, as a woman, but from a physiological everything, no. You're, you're a man. The reason the world's struggling with all this, guys, is, is because of the enemy's lies in people's minds. It's not a psychological this or that. It's uh, Sometimes as churches, we struggle with that. Well, God made you that way or didn't make you that way. We get into that debate. And it's, it's difficult, but I'm not. The church has so struggled with answering these things well. Let me help you with that a little bit, at least the way it processes is for me. I've sinned all kinds of ways and all kinds of things. I am very creative with my sin nature. That old operating system is inside of me just like it is you. Sometimes I'm like, I thought I dealt with that. How in the world did all that sudden that squirt out over here? You know, it's like trying to stop a leak in your basement. Or like, I thought I fixed it. And it, you know, out pops over here or wherever. All of that. I truly can't remember a time in my life where I sat down and said, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a liar. I'm going to be lustful. I'm going to cheat. I'm just going to be a selfish person. I'm just, I'm going to choose to have anger management issues. I'm going to choose to be a jealous person. Not, my guess is you probably didn't sit down to make that logical choice either. When the, those with us that are struggling with those attractions, I don't know that we really explain to them when we say, oh yeah, God didn't make you that way, you made that choice. They're like, I didn't make a choice, I just have always had this way. Truth be known, the reason you and I lie and steal and cheat and selfish and get greedy and all and anger and all of that is because that operating system's inside of us the moment from our birth. And we all struggle with that stuff. That doesn't mean God made us that way. We know that. But what it does mean is we've all been functioning under that. And so kind of the conclusion of what all of this means for you and for me is that, one, we need to look at our own life. God, 
I know I still have some vestiges of that old operating system inside of me. There are lies that I believe. This young man that I was describing to you, he had already become a follower of Jesus younger in his life. And in essence, like God does with us, says, I'll let you make some choices and go down a road. And he lets us go pretty far down a road. But then God says, that's far enough. I'm going to bring you back home because you belong to me and you're mine. And each one of us go down roads in different ways. Each one of us go down roads of pride and ego and self and you know pleasure. I just oh, It's just all over. And if you really want to battle that stuff, don't just battle the behavior of it. Battle the lies that are behind that and ask God to reveal those to you. Because when you and I accept those lies and we try to build something out of it in our life, we blow it. And it brings nothing but death and chaos into our life, into our bodies physically. And it brings it into the relationships and the situations and the chaos around us. So we need to deal honestly with ourselves. Then secondly, because of this, we need to look at the people around us that we're trying to help. And yeah, we need to recognize what sin is sin and, and, and black and white and all of that. But we also need to realize there's motivations and things underneath there that we sometimes just glibly gloss over as Christians. And rather than thinking that just, you know, there's going to be these easy things and maybe our debate to work through in people's lives, we need to recognize there's a whole operating system going underneath here that you can say whatever you want to say and you can't change that whatsoever. You and I are powerless for that. God is the only one that can change those things. And that means we need to rely on prayer probably a lot more than we really do in working in people's lives. And that means when you and I are going through the struggles and if we can step back out of that, whether it's relational difficulties, whether it's national difficulties, whether it's community, whatever, we need to step back and realize that, yeah, we, we, we can't remove ourselves from that. We need to function within it. But we need to step back and say, wow, I'm seeing the operating system again. The enemy's lies are at work. I need to pray that God's truth would somehow speak into that person. We need to love people around us enough, whether they be our spouses, our kids, families, our neighbors, our coworkers, that God would speak truth into them, not to make our life better. That's what James tells us. Don't pray for your own end. You have not because you ask not. You're not praying enough. And when you do pray, you're praying amiss. You're praying for just your own good. We ought to be praying for their good and for the kingdom of God. And so pray that God would work in their lives along the way. Because only God can peel that stuff back and bring the truth of the gospel to bear. So church this morning, I don't know exactly how God has spoken into your heart. To be honest with you, I had a hard time. I'm like, God, I see all the stuff in this passage, and oh my goodness, like, what? where do you want us to go with this? But it's just so obvious to me. The enemy is operating this world with all the lies, and he loves the destruction and the death and the carnage in the process. And we as God's people struggle to operate effectively in our own life with that. And we struggle even to do it as a group as a church, as we relate to others around us. And churches are often good at calling out black and white. They're calling out the, 
sin or whatever, but I'm not sure we always understand the dynamics of what's going on in the middle of that. And so I would encourage you to spend more time praying for those things that frustrate you, for the people and for the challenges, and don't doubt the power and hand of God to bring powerful changes in people's lives. Because truth be known, everyone who surrenders their life to Jesus has experienced that same power. Because you and I are followers of Jesus, not because we were smart, not because we had our act together, not because we were privileged or because we, our family or whatever, not because of whatever background we have. We're that because God the Father said, I'm going to draw you to me. I'm going to reveal that I am the I am through my son. And I'm going to save you. I'm going to change your life. And I'm going to put my words into your heart and make you brand new. And I want to use you to help other people experience that. Our job in this world, guys, is not to correct governments and systems and all of that. Yeah, we ought to we ought to be God's representatives effectively in this world. But our, God is, our job is to be God's voice and hands and feet into the lives of people, sharing that truth and that salvation and that hope and all of that. And we ought to do it well. So whatever God has kind of spoken in your heart this morning, I just respond to Him. Maybe you need to take that step of faith yourself. Maybe you need to commit to some kind of conversation with somebody else. I don't know. But take that step this morning. Our team's going to come up and we're going to sing our last song. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Lord, thank you that you deliver us from lies, deliver us from the strategies of the enemy. Lord, would you forgive us when we somehow forget that and we become smug or complacent and kind of look down our nose judgmentally at somebody else or something else? And Lord, would you help us to not forget that, that that's us. That was us. And would we instead be the compassionate people that just shares truth and prays for truth and prays that you would be revealed in people's lives. Lord, help us to be that kind of people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.